HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, and welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today is Monday, October 3rd. I am one of your hosts, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasional bartender, and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 34, straight, and in a relationship. And I'm your other host, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me everywhere as wordsfoodart.com. I'm 35, straight, and single. Welcome back to our third show on love and technology. After the break, we're going to be joined by Matt Lundquist, a psychotherapist and the founder of Tri- Tribeca Therapy here in New York City about things like texting, online dating, using computers in our everyday lives, etc., and how they affect how we feel and function in friendships and romantic relationships. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. But first, Benjamin, we want to wish happy birthday to somebody, don't we? Our dearly beloved uh, leader, Erin Fairbanks. Our, and our woman in chief. That's right. Give it up. It's her. I don't even know what, what number it is for her. 24. 24, 24. 21. 21. 21. Oops. <laughs> She's going to be drinking a lot, a lot of things tonight. Um, Aaron, we love you. Thank you so much for working so hard at doing what you do so that we can do what we do. Amen. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Aaron. We love you. Uh, before we get to our juicy topic for the first half, Benjamin, I asked you, well, I asked us, and then I failed. At the challenge. I think this might be the first time ever that I did the homework and you didn't do the homework. (laughs) Which I'm totally fine with. I'm totally fine with that, actually. I asked us to try to eat or drink something over the weekend that we've never eaten or drank before. But technically, actually, 
All right, you share. I feel like I have. You, I I mean, the only reason actually. I did the homework is because you gave me a gift upon your return from Portugal, which um, I'm going to fail at pronouncing, so you can help me with aguardente. the Portuguese. But it was like a mulher. Just aguardente. Aguardente. But mulher de capote? Uh, capote? Yeah, the woman, de capote, the woman of, the, of the shawl. Ah, the woman of the shawl. It was a tasty, tasty alcoholic beverage, a... Blackberry brandy of some kind is that technically what it is? It's it's a it's a gr- it's a grape brandy, yeah. grape brandy. But it tasted to me it, more like, like, like a, a whiskey. scotch yeah. or a cognac. Yeah. Even it had like a very smoky. Um, I call it more like a moonshine. Like it's like really strong, and that's a sweeter version than other ones that I've drank before. Okay, well, it's like it's eighty proof. It's really so it's kind of like a you know a how Jack you, Daniels. How did you or drink a, it? Um, well, first I. Tried it just on the rocks. Yeah. And then after I had like one drink, then we, I was drinking it with um, my girlfriend. Right. And so then we started drinking like aguardent and sodas. Oh, good job. Yeah. I mean, how was it supposed to, I didn't even really look at like how it's supposed to be. It, I just drink it you straight. You just like, or it out the ice. bottle. Yeah. I would just drink it straighter with ice and playing cards and then just, <laughs> doesn't, after a while, it doesn't matter. You just drink it. I don't know. It's just so strong. I just, it's, yeah, I don't know. Delicious, right? It's very tasty. I feel like it's something I should have been drinking back in college. You might have you might have had it without thinking about it. It's the kind of thing that we had so much of growing up that you could drink it like you could steal it from your family. And oh, they wouldn't that it, like it's, that's what you would like water down the liquor bottle. The there was cab, that in and medicuja, which is passion fruit liqueur, which I threw up so many times in high school accidentally. Um, so moving on, moving on. Since you um, don't have it, since you didn't, you failed in the assignment. I think and I have nothing to contribute I think to the I conversation. Twenty percent succeeded. Um, <laughs> so before we take our break and I bring Matt in, uh, let's talk about uh, ways in one thing about technology that sort of bothers us regarding communication or relationships or just the way we function in the world. So uh, listeners, we, we put this on our website and uh, we'll, we'll have it on, our, on Heritage and both the website. As far as Ben and I each shared one thing. So let's just talk about this a little bit more in depth. Ben, you shared. Okay. Well, I guess I'll read kind of the little blurb that I sent you to put on the thing and then we we'll can just discuss it a little it. bit. Yeah. I, I basically hate how technology um, dehumanizes people. I feel like it, I through technology sometimes dehumanize other people and i feel like i also don't do the best job of reflecting my full humanity through technology we talked a little bit about that last week when you said as far as like this like the swiping on tinder when other people like when you're on a date and somebody else goes to the bathroom well yeah and we've talked about with texting with like being well, there's With a two, bunch of people there's being two incidences texts. of dehumanizing people in that situation. In one, you're kind of dehumanizing your date by like hopping onto right. Tinder while they're in the bathroom, which is just <laughs> awful. But then at the same time, while you're on Tinder, you're sort of dehumanizing the people who you're Tindering. And, because you know, you're on a date with somebody. So well, you're no, not by just swiping them as oh, like, true. you're not considering right. at all who, what they might bring to the table people. as a right. human. You're, you're just, faces. Exactly. Right. Um, so there's that, which is horrible. But then again, for I mean, I don't know. Do you have a relationship with that for yourself? Do you feel a right. certain well, way about course, that? Completely. Do you, does that bother you, or do you just kind of accept that as what the norm in well, I mean, dating that, I mean, and that, in life today? Of course, that that plays completely into as far as online dating goes. Like that's why I use something like OkCupid okay more than I used 
Tinder or Bumble. Like I was a very minimal Tinder slash Bumble user because to me that like I just hate. I also hate how and, and a lot of people have written about this, how men swipe right is the correct one, right? Right is the one where you accept left is the yeah. wrong one. How men and you've admitted to doing this, that men swipe right a lot more than women do. And then when but then when they match, they don't connect. And so like, you know, women that women swipe right far few, far less. Like only when they know that only they'll message the person. Exactly. If they get but, the but, that, but men will just swipe right all the time. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, men will swipe right far fewer, but then they will message less. And so to me, it feels so superficial that that's just not my medium. I'd rather be on something where you have to put in time to show your personality. And like when you message, it's for a legit hopeful communication, um, yeah. which we've talked about a lot. So to me, the, those swipey ones just are... So that yeah, that to me is obviously something. But your second point that you're that you are getting to, if you want to continue, that's yeah, the one like, I want to touch on a little bit more. The other one is like more about is maybe a little less in terms of dating and a little bit more just like in general on social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of hate Facebook, and yet I'm also addicted to it. But I hate that I see Facebook as completely as this like image crafting mechanism, and I hate. Um, that I am critical of the way other people craft their own images on Facebook. And I'm even more critical of the way I craft my own image on Facebook, which makes me not really want to post to Facebook at all. Um, <laughs> because I, when I find I do, I'm very conscious of, oh, I'm doing this so that people will see me in this certain way. And I don't like that about myself. So I just end up not posting anything for the most part. You, you know what it just popped into my head? It reminds me of those people that they still do it, but people who went to college where they'd be like, scene. And they would like, you know, and they, people write this out on Facebook with like, scene breakfast 9 a.m the two kids at the table and like and then the end like end scene and it's just so presentational of like taking these tiny moments of your day and making them i feel bad because people do this and they do it genuinely and they think it and and, and every moment should be celebratory like you can't celebrate every i'm feeling well, really guilty even as i'm saying this well no it's like people, it's it, everyone has a different i think like degree of which how much they of, want their life to be public right and you know what kind of glimpse they want other people to get into their own lives, right? But I guess I, my, my feeling is like, well, why does anyone going to care about this for me? And why do I want them to my, care? My conflict with that is sort of the more professional part of that, including like pulling in Twitter. Like I wasn't on Facebook until I had to for a job where I was told like I had to be, I had to be on Facebook for work. And then it became a work thing and then Twitter and then Instagram. And I like, my conflict is... You have a big fa- so, a social media presence. And I am not compared to a lot of people that I work with. But I feel like I'm... Like, your thing about authenticity that you put... I forget how exactly you put it. Um, that our image... A, a crafted version of our image that is not entirely authentic is how you put it when you wrote it down. Like, I feel like I'm always trying to figure out how I'm putting myself out there and if it is me at my most authentic because I feel like that changes, you know, how I'm feeling changes daily. It changes like, <laughs> like how I'm feeling today, especially given the job, like whatever job I'm doing, how the weather is, like how my body's feeling and who I am as a writer, who I am as a radio host, who I am as a human being, who has, a, if I'm writing about my illness, am I writing, a, if I'm writing about a client, somebody else, like, the idea of authenticity and even figuring out as we've done this show, being a public person, I'm pretty, I'm actually a pretty private person trying to figure out 
who like how to present myself in a really public world that we live in now. And so this whole idea of authenticity, like it sometimes feels very icky. And but but I but even it, like the food writing world, like there, food writers, like ever, there's so many very presentational food writers, which like writers like. I sort of grew up with the idea of food of like writers being like the nerds in their rooms, like with their books and their typewriters. Like I sort of want to just be the one, like I want to be in my armchair with my books and my typewriters and like doing my interviews and like not like having to be like at all these events. Like, you know, it's just like this whole, it's this very presentational thing. Like I'm I'm becoming more like introverted and I'm feeling like I'm in a field that is getting, that is even more extroverted and I'm just struggling with this idea. So the technology to me is when you, when you type that up, that really hit home. Interesting. Very interesting. Do you have that same, I mean, you're an actor that's I, all about being on stage. Yes. And I feel very comfortable being on stage and sharing myself in what I feel is a very authentic manner on stage through my work, I do really struggle and don't even really participate in the other really important part, which is branding myself as an artist on social media and in places outside of the actual work. Do you think that's, do you think if you were a film actor more, I mean, you're a stage actor primarily, do you think the more film you do and the more commercial work you do, you'll have to change that or? Um, I don't know. I mean, I have to change it. Maybe uh, I again, I struggle with it and I don't really do it. So perhaps that's part of the reason why I'm like, I don't even have my IMDb page set up, even though I've got some credits on there and stuff like that. Part of part of that is probably part of the reason why I'm not booking more of that type of work. Mm. Who knows? I just want to quickly touch base on this other point. You. Yeah, I think. Well, you know what? I, I, I'll i just tell the audience what mine is. I don't think we need to sort of get into it. Mine, everybody, you can read it online. Mine is just about attention spans. Like, and I think it's pretty sort of self-explanatory that because I if I read a book and pay, I read books, both paper and digitally, I find myself, I can skim things on when I read things on my iPad versus reading things on paper as a writer. Anytime I get a 500 word count limit, I'm like, how am I supposed to write an article in 500 words or a long form interview in 1200 words? And, um, I just think like, it's just, I've seen a progression over the years that our attention spans, like even, I do the same thing when I'm watching Hulu to get through a commercial. I like pick up my phone to like check Twitter. Like I, and I'm challenging myself to not do that, to just be in the moment. And so my thing, as far as how that relates to dating is that again, as somebody who's becoming even more introverted and because of my health issues, needing to slow down and really liking to do less to be instead of do I'm finding, especially in New York city in this very digital world we live in, finding people that can just sort of be in awkward pauses and sort of just be in doing nothing in these moments rather than constantly distracting ourselves because our attention spans are limited is harder, I think, because of how much stimulation we get from technology. Yeah, it's contributing to the entire dumbing down of our entire <laughs> entire culture and entire culture tech knife tire culture entire life. excuse me <laughs> oh, that's just how my brain started hearing just two words <laughs> repeated i was like i wasn't teasing you as much as teasing the thing the neurons not firing in my brain i'm sorry sweetheart maybe it's time to take a little break that's i think a great idea so uh next week listeners we've got rashida meaning coming on the show uh he's a nasa systems engineer and the founder of nanaya a program where you answer a bunch of questions about yourself and then it computes not who you should love like a dating app but where when and how you will most likely find love using the same kinds of tools that analyze the success of lunar habitation module, not modules. Yes, not nodules. 
modules, like lymph nodules, modules. If you want to get a jump on that show, uh, head to lovebitesradio.com. And uh, we've got a tweet coming out soon talking about tweeting. Uh, I already have a tweet scheduled coming out um, about our Huffington Post piece that I wrote about what happened when I plugged in my information and then it spit out like how I'm finding dates and how I should be finding dates, like where I should be putting in my time. I think it said you need to go to Alaska or something like that. It said like Alaska and Vermont. And it said that I should keep online dating, which was very disappointing because it's like you're not going to meet them through your friends and you're not going to meet them through your job. All right. More on this next week. Yeah. Um, So and then I interviewed Rashid. So read that and then come back next week for that show. And we will be back after a short break. And this one is called Find Me Some Love by Bad Citizen. We'll be right back. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Matt Lundquist is the founder and director of Tribeca Therapy, a group practice specializing in working with creative people who are looking for an alternative to couch-based practices, labeling, or who simply hate therapy. He helps adults and couples with issues related to pain and happiness, work and love, intimacy and anger. You can find more about Matt on our website and at TribecaTherapy.com. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Good to be here. Obviously, um, you've been sitting here in the studio with Jacqueline and I while we've been griping about technology in our lives and how it makes us feel about ourselves, how it makes us feel about others. Are we alone in this, or is this something that comes up in uh, your practice? Yeah, sure. I mean, of, co- of course it does. I mean, I, I think probably people are talking to me in my office about the same kinds of things that, that, that you guys are talking about when you're hanging out. And, I, you know, I, I think one of the things is, I think technology is often the catalyst and not the clause. I think it's a, it's a mechanism through which we communicate, and we have a lot of choices about how we do that. Uh, I think that one of the, the biggest things that I think people get into a lot of trouble with, whether it's online dating or kind of going crazy with Snapchat or Instagram, is uh, relating to it as though they're playing one game, but in reality, they're actually playing a different game. And so if you're not, if you're not sort of intentionally playing the game that you've signed up to play, then you're probably going to be disappointed. I think you're probably going to be looking for something through that context that it's not really built to give you. Can you give an example of that? Do you mean like they're looking to the technology to like fill a hole that they want? I think so. I mean, I think I think probably maybe maybe an easy example is Tinder, which is, as far as I can tell from 
you know, never being on Tinder. I'm a, I'm a, a married guy, but uh, and have been since pre Tinder. But I, as far as I can tell, it's a it's a game. It's 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 a dating game, and it's a it's a kind of posturing game. It's a game where people are sort of checking each other out and goofing around. And you know, I think probably the the the, the best that 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 can pop possibly come in terms of getting to know somebody in the context of tinder is meeting you know kind of finding a way of meeting at the same place at the same time knowing that both of you are at least vaguely available and maybe having a few things to talk about and yet people relate to it as though it's something more than that as though it's a way of uh, really getting to know somebody a a, a way of uh, you know learning some things about people deciding whether or not somebody's attractive and i don't think it's really a good context for that i don't think it i don't think it really does that well very interesting i totally agree with you um it's a platform that's totally based essentially on a picture there are however many digital platforms in which we present ourselves to the public some like that have dating sites that have more extensive profiles or like we were talking about facebook and other social media platforms is there something we can learn about ourselves from the way we craft ourselves on these platforms Sure. I mean, it, I think in a way, the the I think of it as kind of an offer, like in like in improv. You know, some somebody's uh, the, the the what what somebody presents in their profile is a kind of uh, it's a conversation starter. It's a it's a hey, how you doing? I you know I I've, I've been been waiting here for three hours. Uh, what do, what are you doing here? It's a and and I think not a, not that much more. And obviously, some dating sites, you know, you see commercials for things like chemistry or. What's the kind of pseudo Christian one where they claim to use psychology? Christian to, Mingle, yeah, Christian oh, Mingle. E-harmony. E-harmony, e-harmony, yeah, which, yeah. Which, you know, they, they sort of oh well, we use psychology, and and you know, they they give you, I suppose, hours of tests and 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 very lengthy profiles, and yet in reality, I don't know that they tell you actually all that more than Tinder, and in some ways, I think that's sort of the brilliance of Tinder, which is. I think the the guys that founded that recognize that that what people are really interested in is is this person seem weird? Does this person look reasonably attractive? And does this person seem to also be interested in me and available on Tuesday at nine in Williamsburg? And that's about what it can do. So I don't know. I, I think of it as a as a kind of hey, how you doing? I, I don't think I don't think there's all that much more that it can give you. So do you think trying to reveal a lot about yourself is like not necessarily the most effective route. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think of it as like uh, if you're if you're expecting to have a conversation with somebody, whether that's over text or through through the app or in person on a date at a bar. Uh, I think of it as like being a being a good conversationalist, and good conversationalists don't just uh, sort of receive the offers they're given and respond to them, but they also put some stuff out there. So I think it's a way of saying, hey, here's kind of who who I am, what I'm thinking about, and the kind of thing I'm interested in. Let's have a conversation about that. What about the idea of sort of branding yourself and the feeling of authenticity because I feel like in a way as far as dating or what we were saying more in general about just social media and the idea of using this for work or even Facebook a lot of it feels in a way like the sort of get rich quick or self-help like the idea of branding yourself and putting yourself out there and this whole like you know I am like just this reach for the stars type I am the best thing in the world and it's just this this package of ourselves we're putting out there do you think this image we try to project is needs to be crafted and needs to be overthought like how i mean how when you're saying it's it's a conversation starter like how how much do we really have to think about it like how how do we 
how do we put authenticity out there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in some ways, my I, I think if you want to if you want to f- try to figure out how to play the game, whether it's the Facebook game or the Snapchat game or the the Tinder game, the dating game, if you want to try to figure out ways of doing that that allow for more room than, for authenticity than typically you experience, you know, I, I think you can try to create that, but I think that's going to be kind of an uphill battle. I, I think that that where you know. You know, people talk about, you know, Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook. Well, Mark Zuckerberg created Facebook and then a billion people made a whole lot of decisions about how to use it. And it seems like, by and large, people use it to have extramarital sex, uh, to share pictures of cats and babies um, and to, I don't know, stock high school boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, I, I think for the most part, it's a space in which uh, the, collectively all of us who've used it and, and maybe with some behind the scenes influence from Facebook or not, we've decided to use in a way that I don't think does allow for a lot of room for authenticity. And so I think maybe we need to accept that that's not a space where that's going to happen or find ways of subverting those those tools and platforms that allow more room for that. I, I haven't seen a lot of great examples of that, but I, I don't spend a lot of time hanging out there. It's interesting um, because I feel like you're right. We These are essentially superficial spaces. Um, Absolutely. And, 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 and that might be fine. That might be fun. You know, like I, if you're... You know, I took my daughter to her first football game on Saturday, and she said, "You know, I really like football, except I don't. I don't like the pushing." She's four, and I, you know, if you're, <laughs> so we might not be going to a lot more football games because that's the game. The game is pushing. Sure, but so I guess my question is though yeah. that you're right. We we do try to turn these superficial games, as you're putting it, into these larger things, and they tend to hold a lot of power over us. Yeah, I think Facebook is obviously a huge cultural Absolutely. phenomenon yeah. and it holds a lot of power over yeah. us like in our daily lives yeah. i think why is that yeah no it's it's huge and and i think um you know facebook is still and maybe this is the demographic of people i work with but it's, it's still by far the platform that people talk to me about the most and and i think people who are you know feeling down in their lives feeling really stuck uh, struggle with issues of shame or feel like they haven't accomplished as much as they want you know, go on Facebook, and you know if you're if you're inclined in that direction, and you open up your Facebook profile and, and and start scrolling, you're you're going to find things to feel bad about. You're going to 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 be presented with a representation of people that appears as though everybody else's life is so full and interesting, and that may or may not be true. And and in some ways, I think the question of whether or not that's true is largely irrelevant. I think. Uh, I think it's a, that's maybe a great example of not playing the game by the rules that everybody else is playing it by. So most people, in my experience, are, are using Facebook as a way of kind of presenting the absolute best kind of exaggerated version of their lives. And so if you if you know that's what people are doing and that's interesting to you to, to either consume or produce but uh, in terms of posting things, then that's fine. But I think if you're relating to it as though you're getting some genuine insight into what's going on with, with your friends, I, I, I don't think it's it's a good place to do that. So switching to what we touched upon in the beginning of the show with Ben's idea of um, etiquette, which we didn't talk about for very long, um, with the idea of like, you know, of swiping when, you know, you're on a date and your date goes to the bathroom and all of a sudden you're back swiping on Tinder. And the idea that we separate what we're seeing online, like we get jealous of other people or we're, or we're not putting our best selves on there or we are putting an exaggeration of what's the good in our life on there and this idea of authenticity. Why is there a separation of the way we treat people online with ways that we would not treat them in real life? And, and 
the majority of the time it's for the worst. We we are meaner yeah. to people whether we know them or not. Sometimes to people we do know Absolutely. online. Yeah, sure. We are crueler to them online and we are horrible to people that we've never met online in yes. a way that we would never be in real life. Why do we do that? Yeah. What's happening in our brains? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know that I've, I've totally figured this out. I guess one of the things that, that seems maybe obvious but feels feels pretty important is it's, it's a lot harder to be a jerk face-to-face. I think uh, we... Most of us, our our sense of what's appropriate, what's polite, what's kind, what's decent, uh, was was developed, you know, in in the context of face to face relationships, and so it's it's harder work. You know, you could think about like um, there are lots of contexts in which it's easy to do something that's not so right or moral to you know take something that doesn't belong to you, but you think oh, it doesn't have that much value or nobody's really looking. Um, and I think people have to make sort of heads up decisions around, well, is that the kind of person I want to be? And so when you talk about like, for example, Ben, the, the experience of being on, being on a date that with someone, maybe you met on Tinder and then going to the bathroom and then swiping left and right on Tinder, you know, I think you got to decide if that's the kind of person you want to be. And, and both in terms of, do you want that, the kind of maybe craziness in your life that comes from that probably, but also like, is, is that, is that how you want to roll independent of the question of whether or not that person's ever going to find out? So I think people have to make a lot more active choices. And I think because some of these things are new and because I think there hasn't been that much of a dialogue about this, uh, I don't think we've we've developed a whole lot of rules. But I, I think I think that's coming. I hope so. Have you had and thinking about as a woman, like I've had guys we talked about this in one of our first shows. I've had guys say really horrible, horrendous things to me online. And we hear about this all the time. Have you had situations where men have admitted that part of themselves that's come out to it because I'm sort of curious as to if men have had to realize that cruel part of themselves that comes out online as sort of recognizing I have this part of me like really abusive comments we're talking about yeah like abusive sure. like wishing you know rape and death on women yeah <laughs> that yeah. like because i can't imagine sort of recognizing that part in yourself and sort of because that's a light thing comparatively to like i've done the same thing i've been on a date and flipped you know like been flipping through something online like i can't imagine recognizing a, a much darker part of myself through you know the guise of technology yeah yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of kind of nasty people out there, and I think there's I think there's an enormous amount of sexism out there, and I think that lots of men harbor really pretty nasty misogynistic feelings towards women, and again, these these online places are a platform where they feel much more impunity in terms of saying those kinds of things that maybe there are people who might also be out saying them to to women on the street, uh, but a lot of them I think are are are. Would, would be too afraid to do that uh, kind of in quote, in quote unquote real life, but, but will happily kind of indulge their darker impulses online. I, you know, I, I must say I, I'm, I'm kind of scanning my brain. I think probably most of those people don't sign up for therapy or at least don't right. sign up for therapy with me. So, you know, which is not to say that I don't talk with men about, about darker in, impulses, but some of what you're describing I think is unfortunately, I will say women talk to me about those kinds of experiences all the time. Though women talk about those experiences, uh, having those experiences all the time, um, and, and I'm sure you can speak to this in, in many contexts, uh, having those experiences at work and, and walking down the street and in high school and in college and, and, and online and, and all over the place. So I, I think misogyny is everywhere. Well, I, this might be catching you off guard because I didn't think about this till the moment. Sure. But yeah. if there is on the off chance somebody, a guy listening to this show or if you know somebody listening to the show listeners who was sort of stuck in that position, do you have like a first step for a gentleman sort of recognizing something about that in themselves that through like, oh, through this, through a piece of technology, I've recognized something very dark in myself and I don't like it and maybe yeah. I should rethink this. Do you have like a first step to 
to addressing the darkness within the the green Hulk within? Yeah, boy, I, that that is a hard question. I mean, I think uh. the, the first thing I would think about is is I think it's important to connect to the question of would would you talk to a woman that way in person, and why not? And if if the reason why not is because she'd you know, throw a drink in my face, then I probably don't have anything to offer you that's helpful. If the reason why not is, gee, I'd be really embarrassed to, to talk to a woman that way, then I think one needs to examine that that, that they are talking to a real woman. And, and I, I think that these things, a lot of men, uh, very problematically, don't think it actually hurts anybody. Mm. And, and that they can kind of get their rocks off. They can kind of take out some, some, some anger and some aggression uh, and kind of get off on that. And that the, the, the woman doesn't really care. But I think, you know, I think, I think, but, you know, speaking of the game, I think women on, on, in these places need to probably develop a thick skin. But that's not to say that, of course, that kind of nasty, abusive behavior, of course, that impacts women a lot. Why do we keep coming back then, I guess, is my follow-up question, sure. to technology? If, um, as women are getting treated this way, why do the women keep coming back? If I keep not liking what I'm seeing on Facebook from my friends and keep uh, like <laughs> obsessing about wanting yeah. their lives, why do I keep going back to it? What is, like, why, do we, why are we so reliant on technology these days? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe the, the, you're saying a couple of things. The, the thing that, 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 that I've grappled with a lot, which is like, so what's the, what's the pull for somebody? You, you described it was great, and I've heard, I've heard a dozen people say that. You said, you know, I, I find Facebook really aggravating. I hate it, and I'm on it all the time. I'm addicted to it. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't totally figured that out. I think it's probably different things for different people. I, I think, um, Gosh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure the answer to that question. I, I, I've definitely experienced it as true. Some of it is habit. I think some of it is a, is being afraid that that's where the action is. And I think that's maybe another example. I don't think there is in reality nearly as much action there as, as we, as we think there is. I don't think it's nearly as interesting as, as we often uh, think it is. Is there something happening in our brain? Is there like I, I've I think I've read somewhere that it's like you know when there's a like on a Facebook post you sure. get like a little jolt of sure, yeah. you know dopamine or whatever it is or um I think it's dopamine serotonin dopamine serotonin yeah dopamine serotonin that, yeah. sure yeah so like is, yeah. Is there actually is it brain science there? Or yeah, I mean probably. Yeah, though, though in a lot of ways, I think that's probably not so different than than a video game where you you know Candy Crush. You get you get every couple of seconds, you get like this pop of of excitement, and you, you've you've won, you've you've advanced the level, you've sure. made a good move. And even that though is technology. Is sure. there more of that with technology than there is like say going out and tossing the baseball around? Yeah, probably. I mean, I think I think also with technology and and you you. It's interesting that we call it social media, and though and and. Are we necessarily being social? Uh, being social with it? Yes, I, I think technically, you know, we are we are posting things that other people are reading. But um, I, I think I don't know. I think throw, throwing a baseball back and forth is much more of a socially engaged activity than than a lot of what happens on social media. Well, speaking of, are we really being social? Um, as sort of an example of how you work with patients, since uh, you said that you are a very creative practice, that it's not sure. about just lying on a couch and talking. Yep. So Ben and I both really like doing things with our practices. Ben is, you know, we've both done therapy and we've both done, you know, coaching and we both really like exploring our own brains and lives and probably getting a little both very too self-indulgent, <laughs> so but, uh, self-indulgent and self-analytical. So could you sort of walk us through maybe with the idea of, being more social and less on social media with with an idea uh, sort of an example of how you would work with your practice of taking a break or taking a little bit of space or like one step for getting off or further away from social media and 
if it's recognizing a habit, if it's becoming more engaged in life, just like one bit of homework or one activity that you would recommend that was sort of an example of the kind of practice that you have. Sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think what you did of taking taking a complete break from social media for, I guess it was 40, 40 days. days. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great example. I think taking a break from something booze or, or, or dessert or, or certain people um, in your life, perhaps, <laughs> it can be a great opportunity to gain some perspective on what you want that 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 item that that piece of technology to, to be in your life if you do want it to be in your life and to be a lot more self-conscious and i would assume you've had that experience it was so interesting yeah and and then i think and i think that opens up the possibility of being more creative with that i, I guess one of the things i think a lot about is is uh, to engage the question of well what are the rules of this game whether i like it or not you know, what are the rules of Snapchat? What kind of ecosystem is this? What what seems to be the norm among the people in my kind of social circle around how they're using this? And are there ways that I'm relating to this either through looking at a Facebook feed and, and assuming all kinds of things about what's going on in people's lives or, you know, going on Tinder and expecting somebody to not disappear in me? Are there ways that I'm relating to this that aren't consistent with the rules, with what the rules are? And then to think about, like, are there are there ways that you want to play with those rules? Are there ways that you want to that you want to be more creative in terms of how you relate to it, to invite people in your social circle to, to, to relate and use to those things in different ways? Um, how can you how can you break the rules? How can you invite people to use those tools differently than they tend to use them? Okay, I'm going to do that, Ben. Well, Ben, you don't really use them as well. I, I'm more of like a lurker. Yeah, yeah. I like I get on Facebook and scroll through and like seethe and self-loathe. Why do you think you do it? Like you, you asked me that question, and I, I, I think I, I understand why people post, which is obviously there's some narcissism there, and but the lurking is something I, I haven't been able to yet wrap my. Head I um, really, I, I don't know. To be honest, I, I'm very critical on social media of people of the way people craft their own image and especially of people's self-righteousness on social social media, which I think is just like always incredibly like in your face or in my face, I'll say. Um, but I think to be honest that I get off on my own self-righteousness a little bit as I am like, Oh, well I'm not doing that. (laughs) You know? So like, I kind of like, sit there and kind of judge others. Look at these people. And and yeah, I think it's, it's, I suppose it's probably a little bit like watching Fox news, which I'll definitely go through stretches of time where I I get really hooked on that. And I think it's probably for that same reason. Right. It's like, yeah, look at all these people who are, you know, doing this thing that I would never engage in. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's your your own version of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Jacqueline and I spoke briefly in our very opening segment at the beginning of the show about one thing that we ate or drank. Well, Jacqueline didn't, but I did. I shared something that I drank Talk over the weekend that I drank before. Jeez. Um, <laughs> and we had asked you maybe if you had anything over this past weekend that you had ate or drank that you never ate or drank before. Was there anything? Uh, no, I, I I think I misunderstood the assignment. So oh no, I even put it in. Boat. Well, I uh, know I was about to get self righteous in my. Put it in bold. I did put it in bold <laughs> in the email because that's actually a very good example of my social media is that I just I schedule things and I I do them well, by the probably like, a good example of the ways these things have made my intention span <sighs> too short. I think. See, yeah, yeah with I my, damn technology. Well, I'll, do, I'll, do it, I'll do it this week and I'll I'll, I'll you'll report back. You'll tweet I'll us. Instagram you. You'll Instagram I, I'm, us. I'm not on Instagram. I don't even know if. 
if you can do that Instagram. You are technically on Instagram. I, you just have never posted an Instagram. Oh, wow. You know more, more about my social yeah, media life than I do. Wow. See? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the I'm Some the break brain. you took. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Well, technology has thwarted us once again. I, this is um, why I like my 40-day fast of going off. I think I might need another 40-day yeah. fast. Well, well, Matt, thank you so much for yeah, being sure. here. Thank I really so appreciate all of your insight and especially your um, the idea of looking at all these things like a game, yeah. I think, is yeah. like a really great takeaway for me. I think cool. for me, breaking the rules, like figuring out how to break the rules is a fun idea because nice. I yeah. stick by too many rules, I think. Yeah. So, so thanks again. Thank you so much. And listeners, that is our show for today. Uh, come back next week when we close out our love and tech series with Rashid Amini. Oh, also, speaking of which, listeners, I will be on Tech Bites this Thursday at 11 o'clock talking about dating apps um, on, yeah, on Jen's show, Tech Bites on Thursday. So listen up then. Great. Stay tuned for that. Um, until then, thanks as always to our engineer, David. Um, and because it's our lovely leader, Aaron Fairbanks' birthday, I think she would appreciate no other present more than going on to heritageradionetwork.org, clicking on the beating heart, and sending some donation of any size uh, to us here at heritageradionetwork.org. We produce, they do produce so much programming uh, for so little, and any little bit helps. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion Band. We are Ben Rosenblatt and Jacqueline Raposo. We will be back at the same time next week here at heritageradionetwork.org. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.